This program is brought to you by Preserve Gold, the number one precious metals IRA provider. Call 855-962-3322. No more taxpayer funds for Wuhan's infamous lab. That seems to be the message after the National Institute of Health quietly removed the lab from its list of foreign research facilities that qualify for support. The Wuhan Virology Institute is among the suspected sources of COVID-19. The U.S. has sent grants to the lab over the years, funding studies on bat coronaviruses. Welcome to China in Focus. I'm Tiffany Meyer. Before we dive into today's news, make sure to use the link below to subscribe to our newsletter. Each week, we'll round up the highlights and controversies happening around China and the world and share an exclusive behind-the-scenes snapshot with our readers. Keep an eye out. The newsletter will land in your inbox Friday morning. The Wuhan Virology Institute is back in the spotlight. The lab has been among the suspected sources of COVID-19, and now it seems the U.S. is pulling tax dollars for it. The National Institute of Health has quietly removed the lab from its list of foreign research facilities that can't qualify for taxpayer funding. For years, the Wuhan lab was a partner of EcoHealth Alliance, which is based in New York. EcoHealth conducted research on bat-based coronaviruses with U.S. funding, those funds totaling over $3 million between 2014 and 2019. 600,000 of those funds went directly to the Wuhan lab. The Wuhan lab is no stranger to controversy. It has a history of questionable lab safety practices. A 2017 video showed its researchers keeping bats in a cage inside the lab and collecting bat samples outdoors with minimal protection measures. After the pandemic, the NIH suspended funding for the bat virus project, but it was renewed earlier this month with modifications. The NIH did not respond to a request for comment. The lab has been a the center of a suspected lab leak origin of the pandemic, including a 328-page report from Senator Marco Rubio. Released Wednesday, the report says in the second half of 2019, a serious bicontainment failure or accident likely involving a viral pathogen likely took place there, adding the most senior Chinese leadership knew of it by at least November 2019. A full ban on Chinese-owned social media app TikTok. Montana is now the first U.S. state to do just that. The ban goes beyond the restrictions in other states, which only block the app from government-managed devices. Here are the details. Montana has become the first U.S. state to ban TikTok. The Chinese-owned short video app has over 150 million American users and has been under scrutiny over whether it can be used by China for intelligence gathering. Legislation Montana passed on Wednesday prohibits Google or Apple app stores from offering TikTok within state lines. TikTok may also face fines if the Montana users offered access to their app and additional fines of $10,000 per day if violations continue. The ban will take effect in January next year. In signing the bill, Montana Governor Greg Gianforte said on Twitter he was protecting residents' personal and private data from the Chinese Communist Party. Free speech. Calls from national security hawks and lawmakers to ban TikTok over fears the data of Americans could be passed to Beijing have faced backlash from influencers, some who rallied in Washington in March over what they say would be a violation of their free speech. 
In response to Montana's ban, TikTok, which is owned by Chinese tech company ByteDance, said in a statement the bill infringes on the First Amendment rights of the people of Montana, adding that they will defend the rights of our users inside and outside of Montana. The company has previously denied that it has ever shared data with the Chinese government and has said it would not do so if asked. TikTok faced an effort by former President Donald Trump to ban new downloads of the app, but it was challenged in court and never took effect. Some of the app's free speech allies include Democrats in Congress, including Alexandra Ocasio-Cortez, and First Amendment groups like the American Civil Liberties Union. Jared Leventov is policy counsel at the ACLU and told Reuters in April that Montana's ban would likely be challenged in court over constitutional reasons. What they're doing is they are shutting down an entire platform that 150 million Americans use for constitutionally protected speech, for political organizing, for news gathering, for communication with loved ones. We view that as a prior restraint, right? That is when you shut down speech before it happens. By blocking this app, you are preventing those people in Montana from actually speaking in the first place on this app. And so we think that the courts would apply the highest level of constitutional scrutiny there. TikTok is working on an initiative called Project Texas, which creates a standalone entity to store American user data in the U.S. on servers operated by U.S. tech company Oracle. Will President Biden's latest move on solar panels give Beijing a boost? China can now continue selling solar panels in the U.S. without facing tariffs. That's by routing them through other Asian countries. This after Biden vetoed a bill. The move re-paused tariffs on solar panels that come into the country from four Southeast Asian nations, Vietnam, Malaysia, Thailand and Cambodia. The U.S. gets over 80 percent of its solar panels from them, and these foreign products won't face tariffs until June next year. If lawmakers want to override Biden's veto, they would need a two-thirds majority in both chambers. Before we hear reactions from different sides, here's why the fight over solar panel tariffs is so significant. Biden has been stuck between two sides, companies that are critical for his push toward clean energy and domestic solar panel makers who are asking for tariffs to compete with their Chinese counterparts. For years, China flooded the U.S. market with solar panels, priced so cheap that domestic makers couldn't compete with them. In response, the U.S. slapped tariffs on those Chinese products. But there have been concerns that China has managed to avoid those tariffs by moving solar panels through those four Asian countries. The Commerce Department took action, launching an investigation. The probe halted most solar imports at the time. It also delayed solar installations across the country. That upset solar industry groups, who said it would cost the industry billions of dollars. It's in this context that Biden suspended tariffs on those imported solar panels for two years. The effort aimed to create a buffer while domestic manufacturers ramped up production. That's when the Commerce Department found some Chinese solar panel makers were dodging the tariffs. To fight that issue, lawmakers introduced a bill to overturn Biden's decision, citing the need to protect domestic manufacturers from China's unfair trade practices. The bill received bipartisan support, including nine Democrats in the Senate and 12 more in the House. But it also faced strong opposition from some lawmakers and solar industry groups. While on the other hand, Congressmember Dan Kildee, a Democrat that pushed the bill to restore tariffs, expressed his disappointment, saying our workers and businesses will never be able to compete globally unless we hold those who violate U.S. trade laws accountable. 
economic aggression coming from the Chinese Communist Party. How should the U.S. counter it? That's what lawmakers in Washington aim to find out on Wednesday in a hearing titled Leveling the Playing Field. NTD's Jeremy Sandberg has more on that. The Select Committee will come to order. Uh, welcome, everyone. The bipartisan group of lawmakers of the Committee on the CCP agree the economic threat from the Chinese Communist Party is one that cannot be ignored. Republican Chairman Mike Gallagher says it's time to stop admiring the problem and actually get down to solutions. We need to stop fueling our own destruction. This means we shouldn't fund PLA modernization, we should protect our sensitive research and critical technologies, and not sacrifice national security for short-term profits. Gallagher says it's time to take off the golden blindfolds and open our eyes to the risks in China. American businesses shouldn't be complicit in the CCP's ongoing genocide, and American capital should not fuel human rights abuses. The chairman declared it's time to reinforce economic sovereignty and reshore critical supply chains. Democratic ranking member Raja Krishnamurthy says the U.S. needs to protect itself from unfair and competitive trade practices by the CCP. He suggested what he calls the three P's to put America back on track to win the strategic competition. People, production, and partnership. Three witnesses testified. They gave a long list of examples of how the CCP has been waging economic warfare on the U.S. for decades. Ambassador Robert Lighthizer. They reduced their cost of manufacturing by taking advantage of very low environmental standards. They target U.S. businesses and are trying to monopolize the supply of critical minerals in the world. In short, if this is not economic war, what is? Roger Robinson, former Reagan national security official, took aim at Wall Street and U.S. regulators, describing what he called arguably the largest strategic financial scandal in modern history. He says roughly 5,000 publicly traded CCP-controlled companies, many involved in egregious human rights and national security abuses, have been allowed to enter retirement and investment fund portfolios with little to no screening for decades. There are well over 100 million Americans holding the stocks and bonds of U.S. sanctioned and other Chinese corporate bad actors. Do we really believe that the American people would have wanted to be holding unwittingly the stocks and bonds of Soviet companies or those supporting Nazi Germany? Robinson says CCP enterprises should be delisted and deregistered from U.S. exchanges and Congress must take action to make it happen. Committee members are traveling to the U.K. Thursday to coordinate with British officials to more effectively counter China's communist regime. Jeremy Sandberg, NTD News. And another hearing, the West's competition with China is in focus on Capitol Hill. There, three of Biden's cabinet members spoke about where the U.S. stands militarily, diplomatically and economically as it faces off with Beijing. Here's what they told senators this week. The Commerce Department is very focused on export controls, and we will be vigilant and aggressive as possible. We will protect what we must, but we want to trade where we can, and that includes with China. Another force is by making sure that you have a combat-credible capability and uh, in investing in the things that we know that will provide us uh, uh, the edge and in, in any kind of contest is the right things to do. What we um, believe would be the, the right course is to uh, now see more senior level engagement in a, in a sustained way across uh, our administration and theirs, precisely so that we can make sure that at the very least we're, we're, we're talking to each other. Secretary of State Antony Blinken 
Secretary of Defense Lloyd Austin and Secretary of Commerce Gina Raimondo made the comments at a Senate Appropriations Committee hearing. The session focused on Biden's budget request and the U.S.-China relationship. One major takeaway, Raimondo reiterated that Washington is not looking to decouple from China and seeks to keep trade going with Beijing in a way both countries benefit from. What's more, Austin said Washington would soon provide significant new military assistance for Taiwan as the island copes with the threat of a potential Chinese invasion. Cabinet secretaries rarely testify together at public hearings, but lawmakers on both sides are working to show that the U.S. views the Chinese communist regime as its greatest challenge. Beijing is painting itself a peace broker between Russia and Ukraine, but a new statement from the Chinese regime is raising some eyebrows. China's foreign ministry is calling on the two nations to come to the negotiating table, but said Thursday, quote, there is no panacea to resolve the crisis. The statement went on to say all parties need to start from themselves, build mutual trust, and create conditions to stop the war and talk. The same day, Beijing confirmed that its newly appointed envoy for the Ukraine war met with President Zelensky and other top officials. Li Hui served as the regime's ambassador to Russia from 2009 to 2019. He spent two days in Ukraine, making him the highest-ranking Chinese official to visit the nation since war broke out. Li echoed the message that China hopes to play a mediator role in the conflict to help achieve a ceasefire. The West has voiced reservations on that effort, owing to Beijing's close relationship with Moscow. To date, China has avoided condemning Russia, as well as referring to the conflict as an evasion. In response, Ukraine's foreign minister said Kyiv would not accept any proposals to end the war that involve it losing territory or freezing the conflict. President Zelensky echoing that stance this week. No matter what Russia is doing, its aggression will be defeated. At the same time, Kyiv endured its ninth missile attack this month overnight. Over 8 million Ukrainians have sought refuge in neighboring nations since the start of the war, based on UN data. After Ukraine, Lee is scheduled to visit Poland, France, Germany and Russia. That's ahead of a G7 summit in Japan, where member nations are expected to affirm their solidarity against Moscow. The annual Group of Seven Summit kicks off in Japan on Friday. Its attendees lead seven of the world's strongest economies, the United States, Canada, United Kingdom, France, Germany, Italy and Japan. This year, China's threat to global supply chains and economic security will be front and center during the discussion. NDD's Sam Wang brings us the latest. Leaders from the G7 nations are arriving in Japan on Thursday. Despite seeing China as a crucial trade partner, member countries are discussing ways to reduce economic reliance on Beijing without completely isolating the world's second largest economy. The U.S. and U.K. are bolstering alliances with Japan. U.S. President Joe Biden met with his Japanese counterpart on Thursday to discuss plans to strengthen defense cooperation and counter coercive behaviors from China. Biden said Wednesday he would meet with Chinese leader Xi Jinping, but didn't say when. Meanwhile, UK Prime Minister Rishi Sunak signed a Hiroshima Accord with Japan, stepping up defense cooperation between the two nations. I think the values that our two countries share are the same, and I look forward to building on not just our friendship, but also the partnership between Japan and the United Kingdom. Part of the accord announces the launch of a semiconductor partnership to secure microchip supply chains. Worth noting, China is the world's largest chip market in terms of consumption, 
with most of its chips imported from other countries. The regime relies heavily on imported cutting-edge technologies for manufacturers. The German chancellor, without directly mentioning China, said this. Under the heading of de-risking, economic security will play a very important role with regard to supply chains, investment relationships and technological security. Among other G7 nations, France holds a different stance. Just last month, French President Emmanuel Macron visited Beijing, saying that the communist regime could serve as a peace broker amid the Russia-Ukraine conflict. He also urged the European Union to reduce its dependency on the U.S. A senior U.S. administration official said the summit would show leaders are unified behind a common approach to China, while acknowledging it was one of the more complex issues for the meeting. Sam Wang, NTD News, New York. Coming up, the Chinese Communist Party buying up land in the U.S., some of those plots nearby key military bases. Congressman John James from Michigan spoke with us about what it means for the country and how it ties into America's energy independence. The CCP is ready and willing to, to rush in to fill the gaps that America has left all over the country and all over the world. More on that after the break here on China in Focus. Welcome back to China in Focus. I'm Tiffany Meyer. The Chinese Communist Party has been increasing its presence on U.S. soil, some of those nearby military bases. Now, a lawmaker from Michigan says he's fighting back. We spoke to Congressman John James about his bill, the No American Tax Dollars to CCP Act. Congressman John James, thank you so much for joining us. Great to have you on the show. Thanks for having me. So you recently introduced a bill titled No American Tax Dollars to CCP Act. How would this ensure that the Chinese regime isn't getting American tax dollars? Yeah, there's no way uh, that hardworking taxpayers dollars should be going to a Chinese-based company with bylaws that literally declare fealty to the CCP. Uh, I'm really disappointed that Governor Gresham Wimmer didn't stand up for our state and our country putting a stop to this. Um, but I, I want to be very careful here. But just just demonizing Goshen, just demonizing this this one instance is not going to fix the greater problem. The CCP is ready and willing to to rush in to fill the gaps that America has left all over the country and all over the world. The the core of America, like Michigan's 10th congressional district, my district, the number one manufacturing district in the nation, and uh, and and now they've they've moved on to our soil. Uh, buying up farmland in the heartland, uh, uh, buying up small businesses. Um, uh, and we need to make sure that, that our money doesn't go to the CCP, that the taxpayers, Americans, have worked so hard for. And Congressman, how would this bill make sure that doesn't happen? Well, uh, making sure that uh, these foreign entities of concern, it's not just China, um, but the, the Russian uh, companies, uh, Iranian companies, North Korean, any entity of concern, uh, would not be eligible for uh, for tax credits that were funded by essentially American tax dollars. Uh, we need to make sure that uh, that even though Americans are going through tough economic times, uh, we need to be focusing on lowering the cost of everything, focusing on inflation, and that's what we're doing. And so my bill starts by just making sure that there's no American tax dollars going to the CCP or uh, other uh, foreign entities of concern. And Congressman, on that note, what determines a foreign entity of concern? Well, uh, that actually, uh, I, I gave an example of uh, the Iran, China's, uh, North Korea, and, uh, and 
and uh, Russia. I mean, basically, if, uh, if you're a country that says death to America, or if you're a country that that has continued to take advantage uh, of America or, or has interests in, in defeating America, then we probably should be sending uh, America's tax dollars um, uh, to do that. And now we're just waking up to it. And I'm doing everything that I can to stick up for my district and every other district by simply saying that uh, no American tax dollars for the CCP and other foreign entities are concerned. And Congressman, it seems this goes beyond just business in terms of this Goshen plant. It's about 100 miles from the Camp Grayling. How do you read this proximity? I mean, you're absolutely right. Uh, we're dealing with, uh, with folks who are playing the long game. And frankly, one of the failings of our, of our current political system is we only think in terms of election cycles and quarters. And, and, uh, and communists are thinking in terms of um, centuries and election cycles, I'm sorry, centuries and dynasties. Uh, we need to think longer term. I believe that uh, it's not even a belief, it's, it's a fact. Uh, China wants to have the preeminent economy and the preeminent uh, 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 military in the world by 2049, which is the 100 year anniversary of communism in China. Uh, in the next 25 years, uh, they're going to be doing their best to get there. And American politicians shouldn't be abetting in that process, like the Michigan legislature approving millions of dollars going to Goshen is not only an economic boon for the CCP, but it also plays directly into the hands of China increasing its military might, putting a station that it literally has in their bylaws conduct espionage uh, on American businesses and, and, uh, and report back to the CCP, but in close proximity to an American base uh, in what I believe is a, is a critical geographic uh, and industrial area in, in central Michigan. And zooming out, Congressman, it seems, you know, the U.S. has pledged to be carbon free by 2035. And as part of that, it seems we're seeing a lot of Chinese companies benefiting what do you see happening here? Well, we need to uh, we need to come back to uh, and tether our ambitions to reality. Of course, in America, we dream big and we do big things, and we shouldn't stop that. Um, but we need to make sure that we don't leave our workforce behind, and we need to make sure that our infrastructure is ready. Uh, which is why I uh, I authored an amendment into HR one the, uh, the 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 uh, the big energy bill uh, to reshore our critical uh, supply chain for mining and, and refining uh, critical minerals. Uh, that's very important that we maintain and regain our energy independence so that we are not beholden to uh, to any entities of concern or frankly anyone else. We have the uh, the ability to be energy independent and also protect our allies um, from uh, extortion from, uh, from, from say, Russia. Uh, we have the ability to grow our economy here and also take care of our allies and increase our leverage uh, with our, our opponents and those, uh, and those who would seek to hurt us. And Congressman, in this age of divisiveness and polarization, what unites this nation? Well, uh, too often uh, you would say that uh, there's nothing that unites us uh, uh, other than the air that we breathe. But I really do believe that uh, we agree on 90% of issues. We just wrangle uh, and, and frankly, uh, we're being pitted against each other uh, by pundits and politicians that benefit uh, from, from maintaining their power. Uh, that's why I said 
uh, praying for wisdom for politicians and making sure that we're thinking critically at home. If it's something that doesn't sound like it benefits America, like putting policies in place that send our jobs overseas, then maybe you shouldn't vote for people who do that kind of thing. And Congressman, any final thoughts you'd like to share? Well, I really appreciate the opportunity. If you're tuning into this, this means you are thinking critically. This does mean that you care about your nation. And I want to say thank you for being involved and caring. Um, please make sure that we hear your voice and uh, don't lose hope because America is the greatest country that's ever been. Congressman John James, thank you so much for your time. Thank you for yours. That's all for today's China in Focus. I'm Tiffany Meyer. If you have any feedback on the show or have something you'd like to see us cover, send us an email at chinainfocus at ntd.com. We'd love to hear from you. Thanks for watching. See you tomorrow.